Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the WEEI Producers Show on WEEI. WEEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Boston, it's a beautiful Saturday morning here. Spring has finally sprung a little bit. It's a little warm out here. Uh, it is Shime and Garvin today. Unfortunately, no Lanny in the building with us. Ryan Garvin, how are you this morning? I'm good, Shime. How are you today? Man, I am lovely. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. I'm a little oh. depressed. Oh, no, I'm depressed. Um, I watched the Dynasty last night. Oh, yeah? Uh, I got to tell you. Wait, just so we're clear, you're all caught up. You've seen all the episodes. Yeah, there's four episodes so far, yeah. correct? Because you didn't watch... The first two last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've since then I've watched all four. Um, I uh, my girlfriend actually enjoys watching the series. She doesn't watch football. She loves the series. She's it's, like, I just like sports documentaries. I'm like, perfect. It is Excellent. a very good story. And it's well done. This conversation the other day. And it's day. just the the candidness with with guys like Willie and Ty Law and Tom Brady just dropping f bombs. Nobody cares. I love that. I think that's one of the endearing parts of this documentary. But I was depressed. Because we got to we or we had to watch the whole Spygate into two thousand seven uh, almost perfect season. Is scenario. Spygate like the the most about nothing cheating yes. scandal in sports? Yes. It, well, it, who talks about Spygate anymore? Nobody because because it was because it didn't matter because everyone was doing it because as soon as they got quote unquote caught. They went like seventeen and zero. The next seventeen games. That that is. It, we're going to see more of it as this. Yeah, right. You want to talk about a nothing scandal? Wait until later on. The, well, Deflate Gate too. But that's going to be a lot of fun. Th- this documentary has done a fairly good job with the pacing. Um, I'm happy Very we are much. where we are right now uh, as far as where things are breaking out uh, in the history of the Patriots because you can see like the purity. Of the first couple of Super Bowls, like, you know, them being the team that nobody gave a chance to. The underdog. And, and uh, like, going into the Super Bowl and, and, and not having named a quarterback, which just seems insane to me, because how could you do nine hours of pregame coverage in 2024 if you don't name uh, who the starting quarterback is? And then you fast forward to... 2007, where I was a sports fan, but I didn't consume it like I do now that I I work in this business. I had no idea any of this stuff was going on. And what makes it so maddening for the rest of of the nation uh, is that the Patriots get bopped for, like, look, Bill Belichick admitted that they broke the rules and he absolutely circumvented the rules and he shouldn't have done that. 
But I agree with you. It didn't really make a lot of difference. And what makes it all the the better is that they turn around and they win every single game. And we're going to see in Deflategate, they win all of these games and they win a Super Bowl coming out of it. But as far as the depression goes, I'm 100% with you. The 07 Super Bowl is is one of those like moments in history where I just wonder like what if what if things had just completely gone different? What if Rodney Harrison was as tough as he claimed to be and made one play, one oh. play? I I, I I was looking at myself one in the play. mirror as David I was watching Tyre. that game, and I I was we talked about this a little bit pre-show. Like I would give anything for that one game. So. Okay. Anything. Let's let's test this because I, when I was watching this, first of all, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm warning you, as a Patriots fan, it's brutal watching the entire sequence of Eli Manning getting out of the sack and firing the ball down the field to David Tyree. It will make you sick to your stomach. It's like, I thought that the, the whole thing went on. down that much. It was like oh. seven minutes, Joe. I mean, it's really, it was more like 90 seconds. It really it dragged it out. like... It, it was never going to end. Yep. It's brutal to watch. I've it never gone time. back and rewatched that. By the way, no, and like that's why that's would the first you? Time. Why yeah, would no, but like Patriots it's just like I want to go watch this. But Super like Bowl I've rewatched again. a lot of the Super Bowls, or even like highlight packages of past Super Bowls uh-huh. and stuff like that. That that moment, I never like I have never gone and rewatched. So we're gonna test because as I was watching this, and I was really like I was sad. I was just just sitting in my Depression. house watching, yeah, yeah, and I'm like, pain. man, this sucks so Kobe. bad. Yeah, the whole nine. Um, I'm like, all right, what would I be willing to give up? My first thought was, you know what? I would give every single Boston Celtics championship in order to have this one Patriots oh. championship. Banner one begins today with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I don't care about the 60s, 70s, 80s. Well, I don't care fair. about 2008. You can have them, universe. I'll even go in the Bruins just for good measure. Mm. I Want that 07 Super Bowl? I would more than anything. I would. I would take it a step further. Okay, because so like for me, the only championships that count with those two teams are the 08 and the 11 one because those are the only ones I was alive for. Um, and so wow. like the okay. rest of them, the rest of them matter to other people, and I'm I'm happy for you, but like they don't matter as much to me, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I would give up all four Red Sox titles for that Ooh, one game. Okay, I would give up I found the 04 Red Sox oh, I for that game. I could. Oh, I could not do that. I, I would not do that. I would do it in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even hesitate you, you, for that one moment. For that one game to be perfect, eighteen and zero, or what? Would it have been nineteen and zero? Nineteen and zero. To be nineteen and zero, you would have been undoubtedly, unquestionably, the greatest team. In NFL history, bar none. The 1972 Miami Dolphins can go screw. They only won, what, 14? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have mattered. The Patriots would have been forever. There will never, ever, in the history of football, be another team that could go undefeated the way they did. No, Nobody. Not a single team will be able to do that. No Patrick Mahomes team because because of the way guys uh, are rested and the game is officiated now, it is... Near impossible. You would be more likely to be struck by lightning three times in a week than go perfect in an NFL season. That is that's really tough. But you know what? I now that I'm thinking about it, the joy that I felt in 2004 watching the Red Sox win a chance. Really, the joy that I felt in 2004 watching the Red Sox come back and beat the Yankees exceeds the. Oh, you'd the, still get that. You just lose in the in the World Series. Mm, no, I because I, it, it needs to be the whole thing. I, so yeah, I the joy that I felt in two thousand four 
beats the sorrow that I felt in 2007. That I just as I think about it right now, I I would rather have that 04 championship than 2007. But when we were talking about this yesterday, uh, it was myself, Andy Hart, and Christian Arcand uh, on Jones and Mego. Andy Hart, the devious sob, was saying, "No, no, 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 no. We're not doing Celtics. We're not doing anything else." And and he posed this question. That I'm going to pose to you: Would you? Krishan, be willing to give up the rest of Tom Brady's career. So the entire second in his mind, it's so like we don't even get 11 either. We don't get 11. He's done. He goes undefeated and walks away or in his mind, he's like, oh, a car accident. I'm like, well, he could be Andrew Luck and just decide that he he wants to do things. Besides, he brought me so much joy. Right. Right. Think, Think about Think about the Falcons Super Bowl. Think about the Malcolm I, Butler interception. That, that uh, that's the game. Brady to, me, to Gronk in the AFC Championship in Kansas City. Like, they, and this is why the dynasty has been so fun to watch because as sick as it was, such an ultimate roller coaster, man. Like watching them just roll over the entire league, averaging like forty-two points a game. Yep. I'm like, oh my god, old timey football, basically. Yeah, like you, there's. Uh, and they were the shotgun every single play. Thank you. The league is like all offense, offense, offense right now, and and nobody is putting up numbers like that. Randy Moss, Tom no. Brady tandem did what Wells Welker was doing. Uh, it was incredible to watch, and I felt like, oh man, this is so much fun. And then as they're starting to get ready for the Super Bowl, I feel this pit myself because I know what's coming, and it's not good. And it's, it's and they start showing Michael Strahan talking, and oh, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, and it's like a sack of Tom Brady. It's like open. Opening up a, a, a Christmas, Christmas present. I'm like, oh god. And I, as much as I hate that Giants team, like I, it's hard to hate Michael. No, Strahan. I, I love like my, Michael Strahan. I, <laughs> I love Michael Strahan. He's, he's such a nice but guy. He's so, so good on television. It made it so much harder when he was the one telling you. He's like, mm, sack of Tom oh. Brady. It's like a Christmas gift again and again. And I'm like, they're oh, calling the Patriots right. the devil. We beat the devil. And and so you go from like enjoying a like domi- the good guys finally won. Oh, you enjoy this team dominating the league and going F you. You think we're all the cheaters and you think that none of these accomplishments are actually valid. We'll show you and and just go scorched earth on everybody. Like blowing out like San Diego, uh, Joe Gibbs Redskins. Like it was incredible. And then oh, that was the best. Sick to my stomach watching that seven and a half minute David Tyree catch and the Plexico oh. Burst and Ellis Hobbs can't cover him. And feeling awful about that, but then knowing and and they did such a good job with how they sequenced this whole thing of like, is it? It feels like it's done. It feels like it's done. And the last thing you see in episode four is just that smirking Bill Belichick under that hood. And I'm going, oh, that's right. They're not even close to being no. done yet. We still have a ton to get to in this Patriots dynasty, and unfortunately. Some really uncomfortable stuff is going to be coming up. So we're sort of in like the the end of the purity stage. Like, and I think uh, Michael Hawley even mentioned it, like in the in the Dynasty episode, like how from this kind of point on is when you really start to see the change in Bill Belichick. Just right? Shut the f- up. Just worry about ourselves, our team. That, it's that it like from the moment he was betrayed in Spygate by Eric Mangini, he just. Starts to change, and he doesn't. He starts trusting less people, less and less people as time goes on, and more things continue to happen. And it's like, it's it's hard because with, with any sustained franchise, right? Like with any with the same people in one building for so long, things are bound to happen, mm-hmm. right? Things like I guess Spygate. When you're that good, 
something like that's bound to happen. I mean, was Eric Mangini like really like attached to the hip of Bill Belichick the way like they were very close. and Judge was like, of course you'd be betrayed by that. Yeah, and and so it, it's kind of it's going to be interesting to see his metamorphosis, right? Because like you can see the difference. The guy in the locker room saying "f everybody." And, and like smiling and laughing and eating and, popcorn, yeah, eating popcorn with his team, to the guy who's doing the like one-on-one interviews, who's chin up, really, literally nose up to you, looking down on you, barely saying anything. I think I've answered all those questions God, before. Such a, it's like such the a shame. you're going to get to see every moment since '07 that changed him <coughs> into what he is now, and it is. It, it like it's it's intense. It's wild to me how negatively he was impacted and he was changed by all the commotion and craziness that ensues. And it, it was one of the things. And there's a lot of questions that I would love to have answered as far as you know, like big story issues with the Patriots. And and one of the things that that I'm happy that they kind of got into was what happened with Bill Belichick because. As somebody that I, I am a little older than you, Shine, but even like I don't really have any like practical memory of the Bill Belichick when he first got here. Yeah. And like people who I know who have covered this team a long time, it's like, no, nah, he's always kind of been an a-hole. He's always kind of been short with people. But to me, it's, it's but he had a personality. It's like two it was... completely different people. Like he, if anything, like that younger guy kind of reminded me more of like a Greg Popovich, where he was kind of like he would he would joust with you. A little bit, even like Joe Missoula. Yeah, to he an has extent. a Missoula quality, like right? He can be a little schmarmy, but not like, not like call you to the carpet, make you feel like like an a hole for asking a question. Yeah, and it was really kind of like it's a great question. Thank you, Joe. Uh, it was really startling to see like that guy, you know, who was like. It, it, this is crazy. And obviously, you guys in the morning have interviewed him. Uh, previous iterations of my show have interviewed him, and it's it's like pulling teeth just trying to get like a basic answer out of like, hey, what did you see on this play in this game? And he's sitting up there going, Tom Brady is the starter. Tom Brady will be the starting quarterback going forward until I change my mind. And we're like, we can't even get you to determine if Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi is the one that's going to go out there. It's it's wild hey, to you're see. you're able to decide between a sixth rounder and a $100 million oh guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy to see how different that guy was and who this man is today. And it makes me sad. Like, and it's something that that I don't know what I would do if I was Eric Mangini because I think Scott Pioli summed it up like as melodramatic as Scott Pioli was talking about it. I agree. Like you have this guy in Eric Mangini that 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 Bill Belichick trusts. Like he had this group of guys around him, and Eric Mangini leaves and he wants to win. He wants to win. He and wants to immediately, but. I don't know, and I don't know, maybe you feel different. I don't know if if I'm Eric Mangini, if I can turn around and be like, listen, this is what these guys are doing. Uh, they, they're they absolutely taping our sidelines. It's hard because that's, you look back it, that's at That's like, a tough one. Charlie me. Weiss never did that when he left. Romeo Cornell didn't do that when he left. Like It's like it, guys who are less connected to Belichick. Mm-hmm. And and not even it's not even like less connected. It's more so like less important They're to colleagues Bill, right? as opposed to like a younger guy like a Mangini or a Josh McDaniels Cr- coming up in the system. Like McDaniels and Man- Mangini were more protégés of Bill, like whereas Cornell and, and Weiss were more like yeah colleagues, colleagues. I think is the right word to yeah. say. Where so like to see them not 
they don't care. They went off and did their thing, and they're not going to say anything because what happened with the New England Patriots stays with the Patriots, and and that's kind of how the deal goes. And then to see a guy like Mangini go and do it, like it's just, I don't know, man. That's, he's a snitch. Yeah, he's what this, He's a he's rat. A, I'm a slithery snake. And, and, and it absolutely, it, in obvious fashion, changed Bill Belichick's, I guess, perspective Entire. on how all these things are supposed to if work. If that never happens, I think Bill, it take. I don't think Bill changes the way he did. Interesting. There's Should, a chance Matt Patricia never becomes offensive coordinator. Oh, oh if my God. Eric Mangini doesn't betray uh, Bill Eric Belichick. Mangini ruined everything. Yes. That, yep. I mean, yes. I, th- I mean, outside of the fact that you know we won three Super Bowls, but he's he's one of the bigger adversaries in the to to the Patriots' legacy. I still lead Bernard Pollard, and we haven't even oh, gotten yeah. to the Bernard Pollard aspect That'll of how he episode. affected the Patriots. But I I really and and look, obviously, did they cheat? Yeah. Did it really make a difference? Probably no. not. Sorry. No, 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 I can tell you for a fact it did not make a difference. I will say it would make more of a difference to know, like, oh, as a as a hitter in baseball, if a fastball is coming versus an off-speed pitch. I think that makes a huge difference compared to, okay, the coaches have the signals and they relay to me. Well, because Bill even said he's like, He's like, you can get them however you want. You can write them down from the press yeah. box if you want. It's just more convenient. At it was literally di- about convenience. Uh, uh, Robert Kraft talked about it. He call- He went to Bill, mm-hmm. and he goes, Bill, scale of 1 to 100. How important was this? Bill goes, 1. one. And Robert Kraft's answer was tremendous. You know, I couldn't believe it. I went right over to Bill, and I said, let me ask you something, Bill. How important to us is something like that? on a scale of one to a hundred. And he said to me, one. I said to him, then you're a real schmuck. <laughs> That's the best. Like he just straight up calls him a schmuck. And it's like, and it's, I, I get it. It's like, it wasn't important. It, it was just a convenient. All it was, it was a convenience thing. That's it. It was gamesmanship. It wasn't a ma- yeah. it, it, at its then worst. Then you're a real schmuck. Yes, I am. Thank at you. its worst, yeah, you have the signals. But again, if you go the other, if you do it the other way, and, and Ernie Adams was like, well, there's guys, and they probably like, take our, our signals, too. I'm like, okay, congratulations. You know what route Tom Brady and is going to have for Randy Moss and Wes Welker. Now you got to stop them. Good luck stopping him. My my and my last takeaway is just going back to the the Mangini side of it and how it kind of like really affected everything going forward. It stinks now because we've seen a fairly healthy sample of Bill Belichick in this documentary, and I just don't think there's going to be anything really engaging with him. And that's sad because when you're telling the story of the Patriots dynasty, Bill Belichick is. One of, if not the most pivotal figures in how this thing all fits together and could really shed a lot of light and, 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 and uh, intrigue on how things happen the way that they happen. And he's just, he's not going to do it. He's yeah. not going to do it. I didn't get a screener. I am an everyman, Chime, like you. I didn't get a screener, but I can tell you based on what I've seen so far, <laughs> Bill Belichick is not going to be Say talking anything. about anything he does not want to talk about. 617-779-7937 if you want to weigh in on the Dynasty documentary. Four episodes out now on Apple+. Plus. It is Shyman Garvin with you here on the Producer Show, but right now Joe Braverman's going to get you caught up with What's Trending. 
Gresh and Fourier. Weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Celtics return to action for a primetime matchup in New York against the Knicks. He's coming off their seventh straight victory in Chicago in their first game post-All-Star break. Tip-off for Madison Square Garden is set for 8.30 elsewhere in the NBA. Steve Kerr is now the highest-paid head coach in history after agreeing to a two-year, $35 million extension. Bruins play Game 3 of their four-game road trip. Tonight, they'll be in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Puck drop set for 7 o'clock. The Bees have had five of their last six games go to overtime, including the previous four straight. They have won two out of those six games. Red Sox kicked off their spring training schedule with an exhibition yesterday against Northeastern. Today will be their first big league game against the Orioles. Garrett Whitlock will get the star on the mound for the Sox. Hall of Famer Joe Castiglione and Rob Bradford will have the call at 105 right here on the Shaws and Star Market WEI Red Sox Radio Network. The NFL announced its salary cap will increase by $30.6 million to a record $255.4 million. This means that the Patriots will have roughly $83 million in cap space this offseason. However, they won't be having T. Higgins as Ian Rappaport stated that the Bengals will plan to use their franchise tag on receiver T. Higgins. And the Revolution kick off a new season on the road against D.C. United tonight at 7.30. This is the first MLS game for new Revs head coach Caleb Porter. I'm Joe Braverman, and that's what's trending on WBEI and WBEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The unspoken rule is when you leave the family, you leave the family. Bill was very close with Eric, and his very normal human reaction was a feeling of betrayal. And he distanced himself from those of us that were closest to him. This is the WEI Producer Show right here on Boston Sports Original WEI. Shime and Garvin with you this morning. No uh, Lanny this week. Uh, we've been talking about the Dynasty documentary. Now four episodes out on uh, Apple Plus. Uh, and the big thing was in the, in the last couple episodes was the undefeated season and Spygate and how Spygate was this huge, huge thing. And as much as we hate Goodell, kind of did them a favor. Like, he's just like, yeah, we're just going to destroy these tapes. Nobody's going to see them, get them out, like, move on. It's interesting. And it's probably because of Robert Kraft, but. Oh, it was absolute. Robert Kraft made a phone <laughs> call and said, listen here, Sonny. I think Jackie McMullen called him, like, something. the most powerful owner in, in football. He, uh, he flexed and stunted on some fools, Christopher. He said, you you better not take. He went full anything. godfather on Roger. He literally said, hey, fine us all you want. 
don't suspend him. And that's exactly what they did. They're like, no. all right, we're going to take away, take away a first-round pick and find you guys like $750,000 collectively and call it a day. But you know who doesn't care about that is the Patriots fans that voted on our, our poll question yesterday on Jones and Mego. Because as I'm watching this, I'm going, man, there's a lot of people that were trying to uh, to take out the Patriots. Yeah, so they're, 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 they're top of the mountain. That's who you aspire to be. And I came up with these four names, and there might be some I'm not thinking of, but as far as like the biggest adversary to the Patriots outside the organization, okay, you could, you could say, "Oh, it's Bill Belichick because he did this," or eh, "It's the sports media because you guys." Bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah. No, outside, stupid, outside yeah. the organization. All so right, I'm listening, I'm ready. Roger Goodell, Bernard Pollard, okay, the New York Giants, definitely Eric Mangini. So I think, I think. The Giants and Mangini are one and two for sure. I don't know exactly which order they're in, but they're one and two for sure. See, to this point in the dynasty, right, mm-hmm. I would say Goodell wasn't necessarily a thorn in your side. First of all, he had like just started his job right around 07. I want to say it was like 06, 07. He was a, um, a scrapping young man with yeah. Lego people hair and a very expensive suit. He really didn't become an issue until... The whole Deflate Gate saga, which we will eventually get to in this documentary, which will be wild. Oh, God, um, we're going to relive the ideal gas. Oh, I cannot wait for Mona Lisa Vito. I can't wait for it. So, in this poll question, Roger Goodell took more than half the votes. Yep. And you bring up a very good and legitimate point in that, you know, the league almost tried to do right by Robert Kraft. They tried to bury this and make all of this go away. Because also, like, Cheating scandals, like, never really a good look. Like, if you're the commissioner of any league, like, do you think Rob Manfred was psyched that he had to deal with with a sign-stealing scandal in baseball with one of the best teams of the last 20 years? No, of course not. Well, and you look at Goodell's history, like, knowing what we know post-Spygate, the NFL's mantra, basically, when it comes to just about any kind of cheating scandal of some Mm -hmm. sort, bury it. Just like, fine and move on. Don't suspend guys. Don't do any of that. Just fine and move on and pretend like it never happened because then it just disappears. It goes away. The pumping noise into stadiums, um, Spygate 2, uh, any of that Having crap. Having cell phones on the sideline when you're they not don't, supposed they to. They don't care. They're the, just The like, Broncos circumventing the cap. The only time it's different is when they attack a player. And, and a player is accused of cheating in Tom Brady, and that's the only point in time it's different. Anytime it's directed specifically at a team, it's fine and move on, let's forget about this. Well, and I, I think what, what really complicated the issue was it was one of these things, and the NFL has had their fair share of scandals that have transcended sports. Like, we live a very insulated world as far as like the things that are important to us sure. in in sports coverage, sports talk radio, sports media, etc. And so I always can gauge how big a deal something is if you turn on the local or not even the local news, but if you turn on like Good Morning America and they're talking about it or uh you know late night TV and they're talking about it and this was an issue with Spygate that the nation latched onto because the Patriots were the big bad bullies and they were beating everybody and they they were a dynasty and all this crap. I hate to admit it, but I was giggling at the David Letterman. And that's exactly what I was going to bring <laughs> up. The, the camera and the football. But he had the football oh, and he released the thing. <laughs> and there's the cameras. And, but that's the kind of stuff that if you're the commissioner of the league should probably make you very unhappy going, oh my God, 
this is supposed to be the best sport on the planet, and you know where everything's supposed to be up and up, and 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 there should be no question in what we're doing as far as the legitimacy of what we're doing, and now. The best franchise of the last six years has this crazy cheating scandal hovering over them. So, Roger Goodell, and and look, if I'm outside of the Patriots, if I'm a fan of any other team, I'm BS about how it all happened, too, even though I could probably understand, like, it's not that big a deal. But then you fast forward to Deflategate when, when Roger Goodell absolutely dropped the hammer, and I think it's because, like, listen, Bob... I did right by you. I stuck my neck out there for you, and I had to answer questions of people going, why did you destroy these tapes? And I sat there like a doof, and it was like competitive advantage, competitive advantage. Like, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. And you make me look foolish? So I think that's what the Patriots fans are are recollecting. Not that the league did right by the Patriots in Spygate, but how poorly they treated them in Deflategate. As far as biggest adversary to this, the, the legacy of the Patriots, the Giants are a real one. I think Eric Mangini kind of created this like Frankenstein monster. He started the domino. Effect. I he 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 warped everything. He was the Shakespearean moment, like the backstab et tu brute yeah. uh for Bill Belichick. But and I it, it, I would be surprised. I not surprised. I don't know. I would just I would like to hear his perspective on it because I know he's a good interview. But Bernard Pollard single handedly wrecked more Patriots playoff runs than anything, any one team. Like, obviously, yeah, because he, he knocked out Brady for a season. He's the guy four. that knocked out Stephen Ridley clean, right? Oh, like, yeah, in, in the 2012 uh, AFC championship game. He knocked out Stephen Ridley when they were going to the Knocked him unconscious. But go, go back to Tom Brady. So think about think about how sick they, the, the Patriots were after losing that game to the Giants. Jonathan Kraft talking about it. There were guys crying and throwing up in the locker room. Everyone was really emotional. Nobody made a sound. They shaved their beards before they even got on the bus. So was I. So you think about all of that, and they get an, a, another crack at it. That same group, they're coming back for revenge. But Tom Brady doesn't get hurt. There's a real chance they go scorched earth and run the table again. Matt Why? Castle won 11 games. That's exactly my point. It was Steelers-Cardinals in the Super Bowl. That's, that was such a dumb Super Bowl. They would have absolutely murdered that Cardinals you, team. You think about it, though. Like there, There's a real chance that they absolutely would have got back to the Super Bowl. Undefeated is like pie in the sky thinking, I know, I get that. But Tom Brady doesn't get hurt there. My God, it, it the, the legacy grows. Wes Welker got hurt trying to get around him, ripped his knee up. Obviously, uh, him tackling Gronk and then not having... Gronk, who was like a force of nature when he came into the league, was doing stuff that no tight end had ever done before. And you don't have him available in the playoffs in 2011. Why? Because Bernard Pollard, the Patriots killer, trashed uh, his his lower body as well in a tackle. So that right there, and then Stephen Ridleyshine, which you brought up, knocked him completely unconscious. I'll never forget that hit. Would have been a penalty now. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Leading yeah. With he, the, the got, he probably would have gotten ejected. So, I mean, Kyle Hamilton got ejected for a hit far worse, or oh, far yeah. less oh, than that easy. earlier this season. So I think if I had posed that question like a week from now, I don't know if Roger Goodell gets all those votes. I think... Uh, Eric Mangini actually came in last place, and when you think about it, like he really was the guy that 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 kind of warped everything and and turned the Patriots into like a monster based on you know him 
backstabbing Bill Belichick. But I think Bernard Pollard would absolutely get more votes if we were doing this after the Matt Castle season, which I'm very excited to see. Uh, and then, like, when Gronk gets into the league. I, Gronk... Gronk was setting like stupid records when he first got in. If you have Rob he had, like Gronkowski, twenty touchdowns and like his what, yeah, he was like obliterating season? Tony Gonzalez. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. So yeah, I, I point the finger directly at Bernard Pollard as as the guy that that really stopped the Patriots from being more dominant than they already have been. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. If you want to weigh in on the Dynasty documentary at all, four episodes out now on Apple Plus. Uh, two more they come out every Friday, so two more oh, episodes so this good. coming Friday. Um, I just want to pivot real quick yeah, with, the, with the New England Patriots. Shyman Garvin with you on the producer show this morning. Uh, Joe mentioned it in trending. Patriots have a crap load of cap space. The NFL cap space has increased a ridiculous amount. They say, you know, post-COVID, this is the rebound. This is the bounce. This is the, the explosion. We're back, baby. And the Patriots have the second most cap space yeah, in let football. Let me just say that again. $30.6 million increase. Every team has roughly $255 million. And the Pats have $83 million. And you're starting to see teams franchise tag players. T. Higgins was franchise tagged last night. So that player so off annoying. the board unless you want to make a trade. So annoying. He is off the board. So, And a lot of people kept pointing out that if you cut J.C. Jackson, that number could go from 83 to like $96 million. Yeah, do you expect them to pull a 2021 moment kind of thing where they just go out and they spend a ton of money. It's like you go find guys like the Jonah Jacksons of the world on the offensive line, uh, you know, something like that, and you're just paying guys out the wazoo. Hopefully better guys than last time. You're not signing the Nelson Aguilors of the world, and instead you're signing actual impact players. I think the the opportunity is there. Uh, I think they, one, they should spend. They need to spend uh, but just as you were posing the question, I was sort of thinking of like where this team is now as far as like like their older guys versus well because the, there's the a ton of free guys. agents on this roster as it is you know the Mike Onwen who's the Kyle Duggers all of those guys uh, the Trent Browns they all need contracts if you want to keep them so it's it's more so to me I think the big question is do you spend on what's in the in house already a lot or do you just go completely out of house and sign a million different free agents? As far as the guys that are still here, like I like Mike Mwenyu. I think he should get a big contract. But I would not be overly upset if a lot of these guys ended up walking away. Like I like Hunter Henry. You know, he was fine when he was here. But I'm not going to be sad if he's not here anymore. I'm not going to be sad if Kyle Duggar isn't here. But I mean, it sounds like the Patriots really do like a lot of these guys. I think. You can find, you know, fair value for Michael Wenyu in a position where you really need a, a lot of good bodies right now. Uh, same thing with Kyle Duggar. I know they think highly of him as a safety. Okay, fine. Bring him back. Whatever. I think looking at where this roster is right now, and like you bring up Jonah Williams, like the offensive line, like, yes, as tedious as O-line talk is, <laughs> you need to keep your quarterback upright because all I can think about is – where this team has been the last couple of years, and it's basically every quarterback that that came under center was getting their head knocked around because the plan was Riley Reef, and I will never be more right about something that I was about that. How boneheaded it was to just not give a crap about the state of your line. So as far as the spending goes, I think if you're going, you can spend a lot, but how they mix it is what's I think going to be important because if you go and spend on offensive linemen, then I expect you to not draft one early on. Like, mm-hmm. you could go quarterback and then take the next best available offensive lineman with a draft pick. 
or the next best receiver. But that's what I'm saying. So if you go or if you go out and you start spending money on Mike Williams or uh, you Dexter Pittman Jr. Hollywood Brown, Brown, whatever, basically you're you're investing in that position. I don't necessarily want the Patriots to turn around and then also take a wide receiver early on in the draft because you need there's so much work that needs to be done and I was of the mindset to you know trade the pick get more assets but as I've been thinking about it like there's going to be so many good players available up top that it's going to be tough to screw this as up. soon as that legal tampering period starts you're going to know exactly what the plan is for the this New England Patriots team they haven't told you yet but you'll know by who they attack right so if they come out of this free agency re-signing Mike Onwenu mm-hmm. signing another guard maybe signing another tackle it's like okay now your offensive line's kind of set it's your new guard new tackle Onwenu's at right tackle you have Cole Strange which you'll probably run it back with and then you have David Andrews I am assuming David David Andrews is going to be returning to this. And you know what? Sidebar, I hope David Andrews does come back because yeah, I I'm kind of indifferent. I don't really Well, care. look, I mean, I think he deserves better. I think sure. he got a raw deal last year. He's also year. old and losing some of it. No I, no, I get that too, but I think there's a value to what he brings, not necessarily just under center, but as far as all the Bill guys are gone. But I still think you need some some competent leadership in that locker room. And I think it's very interesting that Adrian Phillips and Lawrence Guy were some of the first people gone. Two Bill guys through and through. Adrian Phillips, definitely, definitely a Bill guy. Oh, 100% but a Bill Jabril Peppers still going to be kicking around. David Andrews still going to be kicking around. Like, I still think you need those guys because of how young this team could end up being. For sure. So, like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, David Andrews coming back. We're going to win all these football games. Like, if it's one position that you don't need to necessarily invest your resources in, you have so many other positions of need that they should go elsewhere. So, again, if you want to invest in defense, don't draft defense early on, which is something that I feel like this team just always loves to do. And that will be a really like clear indication of like Gerard Mayo's vision for this team. I would actually rather them like sign a guard, right, so that you have two legitimate guards. Cole Strange, I guess, is legitimate. Two legitimate guards. Resign Mike Onwenu, right? If you make those two moves, I have a feeling that they would they would then focus a lot of their free agent money on some of the big name defensive players that are available. Your Justin Matabikes, your Brian Burns is your Josh Allen's, the defensive end, not the quarterback. Those kind of players to supplement the defense and bring back a guy like Kyle Duggar and then use those draft picks on young offensive talent. And like I think to me, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, right? If you bring in a cheap receiver on the periphery, not necessarily one of the most expensive ones, but you know, maybe like a, a Curtis Samuel, a talented guy who's not going to cost you as much. You're going to focus on draft where you're going to go quarterback wide receiver and then you're bringing in the offensive lineman via free agency and then you're loading up your defense with free agent talent. I don't hate that, right? If you're improving your strength with free agency, and then focusing on building an offense because mm-hmm. the offense isn't going to be fixed overnight. It's going to be brand new, especially with a rookie quarterback. So, like, I think, to me, that seems like the most logical play for the Patriots. If the offense had just been a little competent, then all, your, your defense would have been fine. Your defense could have carried you for the majority of the year because, hey, guess what? They were able to hold the Chargers team to six points. That's tough to do in modern football. I don't. I don't. They care. didn't get stomped on by Patrick Mahomes either. Like no. they, they were. They did all right. They held their own. But the, the what it just kept coming back to is your quarterbacks were killing you at every opportunity they had to to have some impact on the game. So 
you already have some good guys on defense. Corner, you know, again, I just, there's this sick part of my mind that's like, oh boy, the Patriots love to take corners like way higher than they're supposed to. But is that so crazy? Like everybody loves Christian Gonzalez. I'm not sold That may yet. have also been a Belichick. But thing. you're also looking at like, you know, last year it was Jonathan Jones and like Miles Bryant getting <laughs> significant snaps. Like it's my ne- my nightmare it never goes away. It's always Miles Bryant. So there's an opportunity for them to, you know, I think as long as they mix things up and not invest too heavily on one thing, use your draft to fix your offense and invest in defense. You use the draft to get some blue chip defensive prospects and go out and spend money on the offense. You have an opportunity. Bruins and Celtics both play tonight. We'll hit on that coming up next here on the producer show. This is Bruce. No, this is uh, Boys Like Girls, right? The Great Escape? (laughs) Uh, If there's anyone that knows 2000s, like, pop punky, borderline emo music, it's this guy right here. This is my wheelhouse. Borderline emo. Yeah, all day. That's kind of just where I live. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're here. We'll make the Great Escape. This is the WEI Producer Show right here on Boston Sports Original. Shyman Garvin with you today. No Lanny. Uh, he is off today. Bruins and Celtics both play tonight. We got the uh, Bruins face-off in Vancouver at 7 o'clock this evening. Bruins, uh, slight, slight favorites uh, in that game where the Celtics, ooh, now down to six-and-a-half-point favorites. Oh, it's back. At the New York Knicks uh, tonight. Tip-off for that one's not until 8.40, which is stupid. It's wow. an ESPN game, I believe. Um so that's going to be a bit of a later start uh, for the TNT. Celtics. Ooh, TNT. Ooh, oh, TNT. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at April. Why do they do that? I don't know. No, I'm pretty sure it's ESPN. A- yeah, ABC. Yep. ABC, ESPN. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, so yeah, ABC primetime spot for Celtics Knicks. One of the questions I had for you, Ryan, and I know you're uh, monetarily invested in this, yep. so your opinion may be swayed, but I want to ask it anyways. No. Celtics currently on a seven-game win streak. They're Keep- the best team in basketball. Like, I'm sorry, yes, go but ahead. But they are. Like, it's you're not exaggerating. They are the best team in basketball. But, like, with this seven-game win streak, it continues tonight. It's going to continue for a little while, right? Like, this team is, when they are healthy, they are just, they're a wagon. They're almost unstoppable. They're pretty tough to beat. And so I, I have to ask this question because okay. uh, this is something I am monetarily invested in. I know um, uh, com writer Mike Cadlick also uh, financially invested in this. Familiar with the man. How... I guess I don't understand how Jason Tatum isn't more highly considered for MVP when he is the best player on the clearly best team in basketball. Uh, I think it's a numbers issue um, because he's not doing... So when you when you look at the MVP race right now, it's Jokic in every book, um, which is odd because as I was looking through this, usually the guy that ends up winning MVP is also on the best team in basketball. Now, uh, that wasn't true for Joel Embiid. That wasn't true for both years that Jokic won it, but sometimes the numbers just overwhelm what the standings are. Russell Westbrook did that when he was breaking all those Oscar Robertson. Yep. Uh, triple doubles like crazy. Triple doubles every night, but the Thunder weren't any good, and the Thunder got bounced in the in the first round to the Houston Rockets that year in like 2015, I think it was. So... I think when the voters are looking at all the guys that can be considered for MVP, I think they're looking at the stats first, which is why really? okay. Jokic is so where he is. it's different than football then. 
Because oh, when absolutely. you look at when you look absolutely. at the NFL, like if if you were going by stats, I don't think Lamar Jackson is necessarily your unanimous MVP. Whereas because he was the best quarterback on the best team in football that had a first round bye, he was unanimously the MVP. And Tatum is currently the ninth leading scorer in the NBA. Right. So the second guy, and this is the guy that I think is going to win the MVP as long as their team continues to do what they're doing, that's Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's scoring like 30, what, 32 Shea a night? Shea Gilgis-Alexander is an easy 30 every single night. He's a tremendous player. I think he would have got a ton of MVP love last year had Jokic and Giannis not been doing what they're doing. But as far as where Jason Tatum fits into all of this, is the MV- is he the MVP of the league? I don't think he is because of what his numbers look like. And I think, as weird as it sounds, I think their record hurts them right now because the voting, I think it comes down to what happens in these last like 20 games that they play. There was a point where Joel Embiid was the front runner to win MVP. It was after that 70-point game he had. He became the favorite. I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen. And it's not going to stay like that, whether he got hurt or not. Because while Joel Embiid was fattening up on the Detroits and the Washingtons and the Chicago's of the world, the Philadelphia 76ers had such an easy schedule. Of course he's going to score 35, 40 points a night. But it's all hollow. It doesn't mean anything in the pantheon of the NBA standings. What matters, I think, to the Brian Windhorsts and whoever else is voting is how these last couple of games play out. So because the Celtics are so far ahead of where everybody else is, all their wins are kind of meaningless. They have an interesting uh, stretch coming up. They're going to see Phoenix. They're going to see the Nuggets, the Knicks tonight, the Mavericks, Golden State. Like There are some pivotal games, and they're all in primetime. If Jason Tatum is going to do anything for his MVP candidacy, he is saying, give me the ball, get out of my effing way, because I am going to dominate for the next week. That could be the only thing right now, this stretch of basketball that can propel him over guys. Look, I think he should have better consideration than Giannis. I do. He should absolutely have better consideration than Kawhi Leonard. But I don't think he is the MVP of the league. I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the MVP of the league. Well, don't forget all the depth that Boston has, too. That hurts him as well, because every night it could be Brown. Derek White. My guy Derek White was the leading scorer, ironically. Go for game high 28 points. Yes, he was. It wasn't Peyton Pritchard coming in and, and killing my <laughs> bet. Point anyway. is, Jason Tatum, pivotal. But if you take Jason Tatum off the Celtics, they're still, still probably going to win. Team. If you take Shea Gilgis-Alexander off the Thunder, they're not the best team in the Western Conference. Well, that'll do it for us, Ryan. Thank you very much. Well, uh, this has been Sean. the WEI Producer Show right here on Boston Sports Original. We will be back next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. as we always are. We'll see you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.